Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 20 of Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verse 9, which says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. And uh, in this verse, we we find the Lord who is addressing the church in Philadelphia. It's written to the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia. And what God is saying here is to the churches. He repeatedly tells us that uh, after each of the seven addresses, he uh, states he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, why is God mentioning the synagogue of Satan? And why is he concerned about those that say they are Jews and are not? This is not an address to the nation of Israel. This is not an address to Judah. It's not concerning the tribes of Israel. God is not really focused upon Israel any longer. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, which was written near the end of the first century A.D. And God has for some time already at this point, he he is finished with the nation of Israel. Remember, it was back in 33 A.D. that the Lord rent the veil of the temple. He ripped it in two and exposed the Holy of Holies. And he did that to indicate that it no longer was the Holy of Holies, that the temple was no longer the holy place, that Jerusalem was no longer the holy city, and that the Jews were no longer the holy people. They were not his representatives to the rest of the world any longer. God finished with them. He ended his relationship. He divorced national Israel. He never again uh, had any real plan for them, except as they fit in as just a nation amongst the other nations of the world and he had a plan at the time of the end to regather them that they would become a nation to highlight and to emphasize that the world was reaching or nearing that time of the end but God had no plan to um, use them in the way that he had done for the many centuries of the Old Testament age it it was now a new age. It was the church age that began on the day of Pentecost in 33 A.D. And by the time the book of Revelation is being written, as God is moving the Apostle John to write these things, it's some 50 or 60 years later uh, or more. And, and that's several decades later. And yet God is still making reference to synagogues and to Jews, those that say they are Jews and are not, but they do lie. As if 
uh, God is very concerned about this. Um, and he was concerned about that when he was using the Jewish people as his representatives of his kingdom, but he is no longer doing that. So why is the Lord using this language? Well, if you remember back in Revelation chapter 2, when God was addressing the church in Smyrna, he said in verse 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead, and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. Uh, now he's speaking to the uh, people at Smyrna. And once again, we, we want to keep this in mind. It is also being said to those in the churches throughout the centuries of the church age. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And and the Lord is indicating that um, this has to do with the people at Smyrna, the people in the churches. That's why he says, um, as he writes to Pergamos in verse 12, uh, These things saith he which has the sharp sword with two edges. And then in verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is and holdest fast my name and has not denied my faith. And you see, Satan had a seat in the church. He had rule within churches and congregations. And, and that's why the Lord is making this reference to the synagogue of Satan. Because there were churches that had uh, been infiltrated by the enemy as uh, he had sown tares amongst the wheat and they had ascended to places of authority and power in the congregation so that they began to rule. And their doctrines were the main doctrines and their teachings were what the people were hearing and uh, this was the case in many churches, as even whole denominations, sometimes enormous denominations, uh, fell prey to the devil and and were deceived into thinking that they could add or subtract from the word of God all throughout the church age. And they, as a result, became a synagogue of Satan. Now, the word synagogue... The Greek word is also translated in the New Testament as assembly. In James 2 and in verse 2, it says, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. And and here uh, the word assembly, if, if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring. And it, that's the word that is translated as synagogue. And, and it has application to the church. This word is also translated as congregation. In Acts chapter 13, 
in Acts 13 in verses 42 and 43. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes follow Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. When the congregation was broken up, and uh, and that word congregation is the same word as synagogue, um, that's in the previous verse, Acts 13, verse 42. It It is a word that means a gathering, an assembly, a, a, when people congregate and come together. And, and that's exactly what the church is. But God is using the picture of Israel. He's doing this intentionally as he makes these statements. One reason the Lord is speaking of the synagogue of Satan and about them which say they are Jews and are not but do lie. One one main reason that God does that is in order to hide truth from those that are not his people. And, and just to, to hide truth, God hides truth from everyone. He reveals truth to his people. He uh, keeps it hidden to those that are not, but we could say the truth is hidden from everyone, well, all people. And this is God's way of writing the Bible. He uh, spoke in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak. And therefore, he is hiding truth from the New Testament people. Identifying the New Testament churches and congregations as Israel or um, other um, synonymous statements the uh, Israel Judah uh, Judea Jerusalem things like that have allowed the Lord to hide much truth from the unsaved in the churches so that they're they're not all that concerned when they hear about God's judgment upon them after all let, let's read for instance in Matthew 24 where it says in verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And that's the focus of Matthew 24, uh, Jesus answering the disciples' question, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And yet here's what we read concerning the end in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Well, you see the churches read this, and and they they think it's referring to Judah of the first century when the Romans came against it. There's a theological point of view known as preterism, that teaches Matthew 24 had its fulfillment in 70 A.D. Of course it didn't. The The whole um, chapter is answering the disciples' question back in verse 3, and it was a very specific question, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And then Jesus does that very thing. He answers their question. And yet God in... Um, speaking 
in parabolic language by continuing to speak of the church as Judea, by by continuing to liken the churches to a holy place as the temple was, well, he's hiding his plan to end the church age. Now, just think if God had said here, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the congregations, whoso readeth let him understand, then let them which be in the New Testament churches flee into the mountains. Well, right away, we see that God would not have been able to hide at all his plan to end the church age at the time of the end. It would have been a plain statement. It would have been something that the churches could not have overlooked or or dismissed. And same with Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when uh, we read of the man of sin. And the man of sin is the same as the abomination of desolation. It, both are referring to Satan at the time when he is loosed and and God looses him to enter into the churches and congregations to bring destruction upon them. And it says in Second Thessalonians 2, in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. And again, it's referring to the day of Christ. Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now here the Lord has used the figure of the temple. Well, Israel was the one that built the temple of God. Israel was the one that worshipped in the temple. And and this leads people to misunderstand what God is saying concerning the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself and sits in the temple showing himself that he is God. They they are led to think, well, this has something to do with Israel over in the Middle East and the Temple Mount, and and they're uh, they're led off course. What if God had said very plainly um, about Satan? He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God sits or rules in the New Testament churches and congregations of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, again, uh, that is exactly what that is saying. That's what the Lord means by saying he's sitting or ruling in the temple, showing himself he's God. But God didn't use that plain language. He used the figure of the temple, and he has done this throughout the New Testament. We would think that there would be constant references to the Lord's plan concerning the churches. And, and yet you read more of Israel, you read more of Judah, you read more of Jews than you do uh, of God's plan for the churches. And, and the reason, again, is that God is speaking of the churches. He is discussing the congregations when he uses this language. 
Now, notice it says in Revelation 3, 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, and and they say they're Jews, but they're lying. Well, now, just as God uses the figure of Israel to typify the church, and, and by the way, God does call Israel itself the church. In Acts chapter 7, it says in um, in verse 37 and 38, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, Prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Now, sometimes God helps us, and he He uh, most definitely wants us to make this connection. He wants us to understand, think of Israel when you're reading the Old Testament as a type and a figure, as an example of the New Testament church. Yes, that little nation who I spent so much time talking about and discussing is so much of the scriptures deals with Israel, and yet they only numbered a few million at best. And it, and yet you see, I am very much concerned with the church age because the churches would grow to populations in the billions. Today we have about two billion professed Christians and and so we can see why God would use the lesser number with Israel in order to picture and typify the greater um, number of those that would eventually enter into the New Testament churches. And and that's exactly what he's done. And he calls it the church Israel, the church in the wilderness. And he refers to Christians as Jews. Now, let's um, let's take a, a little time and look at a few places where God does this. For instance, in Galatians chapter six, here the Lord will describe um, His people as Israel, and He is doing that because the Bible really speaks of a Jew as someone that is saved and has been given a new born again soul and and this would mean that uh a person in china a chinese person or an african or in uh, india from india or an australian from australia gentiles if they hear the gospel and if god save them through the hearing of the gospel then they became a jew in God's sight, a spiritual Jew. And in Galatians 6, it says in verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. Now here the Lord is speaking of being 
made a new creature and and as he has bestowed his grace and mercy and and then he makes reference to the Israel of God and he did that very intentionally we read in Romans chapter 9 in verse 6 uh, where the apostle Paul who was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin is being moved of God to discuss these things because uh well actually let's let's um begin a little earlier um it says in verse 3 for i could wish that myself were a curse from christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh who are israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of god and the promises whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh christ came who is over all, God bless forever, amen. Not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now here, these are really some incredible statements. As as God says, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. What does that mean? Well, it means you can have blood descendants from uh, Abraham, uh, people who trace their lineage back to him. They're, they're physically Jews. They've been circumcised. Um, they may follow the Jewish religion. They, uh, they may even live in the land of Israel today. They are a Jew. And yes, they are physically. But God, God is concerned with spiritual Israel. He's concerned with the people, uh, that, that are spiritually descendants of Abraham. The seed through Isaac or the seed that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, therefore, not all Israel are of Israel. That is, not all the physical descendants of Abraham are truly born again and saved. They've, they've not all received new hearts and spirits. And that means they might be a physical Jew, but they're not a true Jew as God specifies this uh, in Romans chapter 2, where he says in verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. These, these two are amazing statements also. Someone says, I am a Jew. Uh, I know I'm a Jew. I was born from Jewish parents and and our whole genealogy goes back to um to Abraham we we are Jewish people and God is saying here no you're not a Jew well, we've been circumcised they say no you have not been circumcised and they just shake their head how can anyone dare deny that we're Jews and that we've been circumcised that that's foolishness of course we're Jews Now, the Lord goes on to explain in verse 29, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that 
of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. You see, God here is discussing things in the spiritual realm. Man tends to always focus on the natural and, and he thinks naturally. And, and so, yes, naturally he's a Jew, but God is saying, you're not a real Jew. You're not one of my true children. You're not of the Israel of God. No, you're, you're, you're uncircumcised in heart. You may have had something done to your flesh and receive circumcision, and yet that did nothing to your heart. You need to have your sins cut off. You need the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to have washed away your iniquity. You need circumcision in the spiritual realm of the heart, and and only God can perform that circumcision, and only God therefore knows who is a true Jew and who is not. And the Lord Jesus knew uh, who was a true Jew. Remember when he encountered Nathanael and what he said in John chapter 1 in uh, verse 44. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now why did Jesus say this of Nathanael? Because Nathanael was a Jew physically, but he was also a Jew spiritually, and therefore an Israelite indeed, and in whom is no guile. Christ knew his heart and saw the circumcision that had been applied to the heart, not only to the flesh, and so he uh, he welcomed him as a true Jew, a physical Jew. Yes, there's recognition of that and a true Jew, because he was a man of God. He he was born again, and, and of the Israel of God. And that's what Revelation 3 ultimately is, is getting at here. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. And this is exactly the same thing, as those that say they are Christian, but are not, but do lie. They profess with their mouth. They praise God. They, they, they praise Jesus and they say a great many things. But the problem is that their heart is uncircumcised. Or to use the New Testament figure, they've not been baptized with the baptism that Jesus was baptized with. They've not had their sins cleansed and washed away. And so their profession of being a Christian and, and to, to say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, is as worthless as a Jew 
who says, I am a true Jew because I have been circumcised with physical circumcision. God didn't accept that from the Jewish people when they were his representatives. He he realized that of the nation, there were only 7,000 that had not uh, bowed the knee to Baal. Only 7,000 true Jews out of uh, the the whole number. And God will not accept it from the churches either. There is only a remnant that he drew out of the churches and congregations, of course, before he ended his salvation plan and the day of judgment came. 